This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to this week's episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. Uh, This week, we are back again. Uh, Last week, I was absent and very disappointed to see that I was replaced straight away by somebody else. So, um, Bridget, I'm coming after you. (laughs) (laughs) She was good. (laughs) But uh, we do have a lovely guest with us this week as well. Uh, So I'm just going to introduce uh, Safe Thursday. Um, who has joined us this week. So I'm going to hand, hand straight over to you, Siv, uh, to tell us who you are, what you're about, and how you've ended up on Property Jam. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, guys. Really, really appreciate it as well. Um, yeah, so I guess who I am. So my name's Safe Dersey. Uh, for those that don't know me, I run a few businesses, but what everyone mostly knows me for is the cash buying business that we run. So it's called Property Buyers Today. Um, we are basically, we run a fast sale company where we buy properties on average in two to four weeks. And then we'll trade them in through auction. So that's kind of our bread and butter of what we do day to day. And we know each other. Well, actually, funny enough, uh, we know each other because we met up when we were in Brighton. This is quite a while back, if you guys uh, remember that far. Um, I think Cass, my brother, was with me as well. We met at your co-working space at the time. But what brought us onto the Property Jam um, was we were also fellow award winners with you guys at the Property Investor Awards in 2022, just last year. Yeah, wow, that's that's taking me back. It was a while back. <laughs> Quite a few years. Yeah, you, you know what? I had forgotten. But as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, holy shit. That was, yes, that was you. You guys have come on. Safe, did you say your brother's, did you say your brother's called Cash? Cass. Oh, Cass. Because I yeah. actually thought your name is Safe and his name is Cash. And I was like, <laughs> are your parents like taking the piss? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good that would, that be, would good. be good cast okay no that was all right there's no theme there that's cool oh <laughs> uh, fantastic yes yeah, so you guys have been really busy and uh obviously we know you guys um uh, well more recent times through the uh through the awards and you guys won the, what award did you win it was the property trader of the year uh, property award. trader of the year oh yeah so um if you're well, before we came on here, we talked about you know, your your strategy of buying properties for cash using you know, paying pay-per-click as a strategy, as well as other things, I'm sure. Um, that means you must be doing quite a few transactions. So how many transactions are you doing on like a weekly, monthly basis? Yeah, so just, basis? yeah. just kind of for the for the listeners, just to take you back. So yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. we when we sort of started on our early years, um, just to kind of put it into context, so I bought one property in 2015, that was my first property. I did three properties in 2017. So I didn't do anything for kind of the two years. And then sort of from 2018, we properly incorporated our business. So we started the actual looking at it as a business. And from 2018 to today, we've done 164 properties since then. Um, a large part of what we do is probably around, we're buying sort of three to four houses a month. Um, we'd look to sell about three of them and we'd look to keep about one. So we do retain a portfolio. So out of those 164, we've probably retained about 75, eight of the mainly single lets of the lower value. So our typical value is around about sort of 150 to 180 grand. So 
the lower value kind of stock in the kind of Midlands and the North. Um, but that's realistically what we do. But in terms of our cash buying, we do it up and down the country. So we've got properties all the way from Hastings and St. Leonard to London, all the way up to the North. But 80 to 90% of what we do is mainly Midlands and the North, I'd say. Nice. Amazing. So you've been busy then. <laughs> yeah, it is busy. It is busy. <laughs> but you know what it is? That those, you know, when I said there was been a pause between sort of when we when we were buying, that was building the team, that was kind of understanding every single little process and then how to map it out. So everything that I was doing that was about understanding what does a buying process look like, what does a selling process look like? Every little thing from picking up the keys, you know, to getting the utility sorted. I mapped all of that out, put it into a process, mapped out into a system. We use Asana, uh, and then we built a team around that basis. So everyone has a role and responsibility. So that's the real way we've been able to scale is by getting that right. And it took us a while, but you need to put that groundwork in from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. No, that's that's absolutely amazing. And so pleased to see that you're, you're going from strength to strength as well and winning the award. So was it, like, was it a specific deal you won or is it the fact that you just your business that won the award how did that work no so it was a specific deal so um I've not really talked too much about this to be fair um but it was just I think because everything was going on so quickly but this is kind of back in around sort of a slight I'd say actually it was COVID era so slightly post-COVID it was October 2020 and we had a husband and wife approach us and that were in the process of getting divorced they had a a piece of land um so this is not a traditional deal we were doing but we kind of felt it felt right at the time it was a three and a half acre site that they had um they had it on the market for about two years for about 1.2 million um it didn't sell um because it was i think it was overpriced in my opinion it had about out, it had outline planning for around 26 houses on it so it was a nice site good sort of uh, amount of houses that you can get on it however COVID hit, which completely destroyed that kind of market, especially the early stages of COVID. We're not talking about 2021 or 2022 here. Um, And they didn't have many options. So they came to us, approached us, said, look, we just need a catch offer. We need to complete in one month. We understand you need to usually do all your searches and your groundworks and stuff. We're not interested in that. Give us an offer that you can complete in one month. Um, And we looked at, I looked at my business partner and we were like, well, look, realistically, we need to understand the risk level here. There's a lot of risk because it was still early days. Um, and we offered them 475 at the time for the wow. piece of land. Um, in which case for them, just bearing in mind, they had bought it for 60 grand a long time ago. So they were still making a really big uplift, not the 1.2 million that they wanted to make, but they were still making a good uplift on it. They weren't obviously losing money. So we agreed at 475. I think we've got a Rick's value on it about 975. So we got 100% finance on it. Um, and then we traded it on through auction to a small to mid-sized house builder um, who paid I think 750 at the time and eventually went to get plan. I think they got planning for 38 houses uh, on it so we were never interested in building that out because we knew that building it out is about three years you're going to phase it out going to be you know five six million pounds worth of cost it's quite a lot so we didn't want to want to be tied down trade as, as traders we're in and out of deals really quickly so make a smaller margin but you're in and you're out and you kind of move along so that was kind of the deal that won us uh trade of the year wow awesome that's a very nice deal it's yeah. amazing uh, and so h- hang on how did the married couple like come across you like wh- how did <laughs> that our website all oh, right okay yeah, so they were they're in the process of getting divorced so uh, as we were talking about sort of pay-per-click and all the rest of it really so if you kind of type into google today i want to sell my house quickly london or whatever it is and um, you will come across quite a lot of websites you know we buy new home property buying companies quite a lot of different cash buying companies 
and everyone's competing for ad space. So you'll see the word ad next to it. Um, and obviously they were quite local, to, I'd say about an hour away from us in terms of location. Um, so they went with us because of the locality. They just thought, or even though we can buy stuff anywhere in the country, but they just thought they'd rather go with a local company. Nice. So, so your process is very automated. Does that mean you use a lot of data just to spit out prices to pay for things? Or do you do you have a quite a personal approach? Because obviously, if you're doing pay-per-click all over the country, then yeah. it are you agnostic to location generally? Uh, no, not. I mean, yeah, we are. So it depends on the property type, right? So if we yeah. talk about land and commercial, as I said, that, that land was a one-off. We don't really do loads yeah. of land and commercial. So we put that to one side. Purely what we do 99% of the time is residential. That's the reality. So yeah. with residential, obviously, as you guys know, it's a lot easier to do valuation. So we use a desktop valuation. So we've got a piece of software that can do us a desktop valuation in a, probably yeah. a couple of minutes. Um, and then we'll just do, so we'll look on Rightmove, we'll look on Zoopla, Google Maps, you know, just generally just to get a feel for the area. We might have bought something there before. So we might look on searches for similar properties we bought before to look at flood zone risks and stuff like that. But I'd say generally within two hours, we can kind of know what we'd offer on something if it's just purely residential. When it gets into commercial and um, land, we'd prefer to do stuff much closer to home if we are going to do it. Yeah. But that's a very manual process. There's not as much automation on, on that front of things. Um, because as you guys know, it is very much on based on perception and development value. Ugh, at the value is mercy. Basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also something I quite like is that you said that you um, are in and out of deals really quickly. So does that mean you are buying cash or are you, you, are you now using a lot of bridging to get in and then auction them out? Yeah. So when I say, when I say cash, we blend our own cash with, it is things like bridge, but we go to the bridges and we'll basically agree a facility. So the facility might yeah. be, I don't know, a 3 million pound facility, for example, you still have to get your first charges and all the properties but you're yeah. effectively just pulling down every single time. They don't have to underwrite you every single time. They've underwritten you. It's just looking at the property. They will also use our desktop valuation model as well, because that's the whole, we've, we've sat down, we've had an agreement with them. So yeah, we are using a blended model of that, obviously debt plus our, our cash as well. But yeah, I mean, sometimes we need to only put in 5% into a deal. Sometimes it's 15, 20. It depends on how good the deal is and how their risk appetite is to that deal. Um, but we effectively use them as a bit of a second line defense as well. Just, you know, you never know. Sometimes they'll pick something up that we've not, for example. So, yeah, it's always a good thing to have a lender involved in, in most things that we do. And on the finance side where you're putting in cash, is it just yours? Is, I mean, has the business got to a point now where you're just recycling if you're kind of flipping every, like what, three a month you're saying? Yeah, so, so like... we... Um... So in the early days, it was very much joint ventures. So we right. did lots of joint ventures or raising money based on, you know, debt and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then we got to a point where we were able to pay a decent amount of that off. So we kind of, you know, as, as you kind of scale, you use a lot of capital, very capital yeah. intensive. We then got to a point where we sold from bits off, we recapitalized, we paid off a lot of that. And now we're starting to use a lot more of our own capital to do the the, the kind of um, the equity piece and the debt piece will just basically leverage as we said through um through the bridges that's the dream right there isn't it that's cool that's very cool yeah mm. that's nice but that, yeah, that's really only nice. because we're selling so the problem that we had in the early days was we were holding everything and when you're mm. holding like you said you're at the mercy of the valuers if the valuers don't give you the value that you want you you leave more money in the deal mm. you owe a lot more money so it's it's not as easy and then we started to flip the model into selling and all of a sudden you can actually start to release capital so for us it's probably because we started to do that 
probably did it too late in my opinion in terms of where where we were but doing it nevertheless was a was a really good step for us that's nice. fantastic yeah and and you decided to not just do it one or two a year you decided to go right we're gonna do this two or three a month yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging you know I'm not going to lie everything everything is a challenge and I'd probably say I work harder than I've ever worked now but we enjoy it we, we like what we're doing and you know it's just part and process part of the process really where we're working with good team members and, and we, we we do genuinely enjoy what we do every single day awesome that's a big part of the whole thing isn't it you have to enjoy it otherwise you'd be driving yourself crazy yeah but a question we always ask every one of our listeners um and this, what does the human side of property look like to you? What does it mean to you? So as much as we talk about automations and processes and systems, um, so I'm, this year I've started to travel a lot more. And one thing I missed <laughs> when I was traveling was the human side of meeting up with local contacts. So we work a lot, for example, with uh, auction houses, estate agents, they introduce a lot of stock to us. Um, plus there's a lot of relationships we've built up as well. And you know, you just cannot have that while, you know, you're away from, from that person or from the country or whatever. So for me, the human interaction is so, so important. Meeting people, seeing people, having lunch with them, having dinner, having a coffee. I miss that. So, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are like, well, why don't you move, you know, to a nice sunny country? I can't do that. I could do that for maybe a couple of weeks, but it's not for me to be able to kind of do that forever. So for me, being on the ground, even just meeting, you know, tenants sometimes where we're going to buy a property meeting tenants seeing people it's actually quite a nice thing to do and that for me is the human interaction the human aspect of it in reality is, is just trying to interact with people engage with people nice yeah as it's obviously it's uh seeing the, the a profitable business and a very successful business is great but like you say there's there are tenants in the background there are still people that needs to be looked after and protected through that process as well Absolutely. And one thing I'll say, you know, and that and a lot of people, not many people do trading, I'd say, in, in the UK compared to investing. Investing is very, very heavy. There is still disadvantages to that. So it's not all, you know, it's not all great. So you do have disadvantages such as you've got capital gains tax to start thinking about as well, because you're crystallizing a profit. Whereas when you're when you're investing, you're refinancing, that money is all tax free effectively true. until you do come to sell. So that's obviously a, a massive advantage. Plus, it's very, very, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and effort, basically. So it's very effort intensive um, because you're buying and you're selling something. So that means you have to go out and find another thing to buy and sell. Whereas on the investing side of things, one, you could do all the hard work at the front end and almost not necessarily, but almost take a bit of a backseat and then just do a bit of asset management where you need to. So there are pros and cons to everything for the people listening. You know, it's not just all rosy here and, and not so great here. And that's why we have maintained our property portfolio as well as doing trading. We, we do both. And um, one thing I was going to say, say to a lot of people is the trading can be anything. So you can have a really well-paid job and that's your trading income that then basically funds your investment business. Or you could have a training business or any, any other sort of non-property related trading business. But as long as that's your trading active income that you take day to day and then it funds your investment business, that's all you need, but it is always good to kind of have two streams of that, that income, a trading income and an investment income as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's a nice balance you've got there. I wanted to ask you something about your choice to sell in auction. Is mm. that just because of the speed of it and the efficiency of it? Yeah, so we, we would, I'd say seven times out of 10, we'd probably make less in auction than we'd make on the open market. Right. 
but it, it is the speed. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, we can get something turned around end to end in two to three months. Open market, you're at the mercy of the valuer, the buyer, oh. the estate agent, all sorts of stuff. So, we, we, and we do do things on the market where possible, but the reality is I'd say we'd always try and go to auction just to get that guarantee really. Um, but we know we're making less less on that. So we have to do more volume. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You always go to the same auction house or do you switch it up? No, we, we absolutely, we switch it up because every single auction house. So it's literally like thinking about a retailer. You can put one product, it could be, I don't know, a, mm. a, some shoes, for example. You can put it with one retailer and it'll sell for one price. And you put it with another retailer, it'll sell for a totally different price. Um, and actually that's called auction arbitrage as well. So we bought something from one auction one month, sold it to another auction the next month, complete the same property and maybe uplifted 10, 15%. So there is that auction arbitrage that also exists. So picking the right auction house, picking the right time, there's a lot of this, it's a bit of an art really. And they're marketing it correctly. They make sure we've got all the photos, floor plans, et cetera. Um, and sometimes it could be the week like this week where you know it's the interest rate announcement and people are put off auctions, which is good for you guys if you want to buy something, not so good for the sellers if they're trying to sell something. So you need to understand everything quite holistically, you know, to understand what's going on sort of day to day. So are you relying on that when you when you do this buy and sell model in that interim period, are you ever doing improvement works or are you literally going so far below market value that, you know, you're going to get uplifts one way or another if you put it into a different selling platform? Yeah, I mean, 80 percent of the time we're not doing any any improvement works whatsoever, just oh, buying it and selling it. Um, great. 20% of the time. Yeah, because we we and we started off doing our whole business doing new builds, yeah. like full refurbs, you know, back to brick with all the extensions and stuff. And we realized in terms of what we were doing, it's a ball eight. It is a ball eight. I'm it's not a faff. Oh, it's a faff. Oh. In, in the early days, though, there was the margin that made that meant that that faff was worthwhile. Right. Nowadays, we found with a lot of the deals, stacking them up is just, you know, and especially construction costs just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah. Um, it ate into a lot of our margins. So we just started to say, actually, let's try it. This is how we started it off. We said, well, let's try selling it as it is and letting someone else do the work. And people were really undervaluing the amount of the refurb that they were going to have to budget or, or spend on. So, yeah, <laughs> that that's kind of, you know, we kind of let people yeah. decide and, and plan out the kind of figures themselves, really. And that's the beauty of auction. It's quite transparent. Nice. Yeah. Oh, you just, that's the dream. You're using your own money. So you ain't got to faff around with anyone else's and you're not doing refurbs. Hello. I mean, yeah. I want to, I want to steal your idea and run with it. It's brilliant. I was say, Joe, Joe, Joe and Niall, um, let's uh, regroup after this. So. I know. <laughs> He's doing something right. It's so good. The difficulty let's call it, let's call it um, property buyers tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday. The difficulty is, Joe, and, and this is the difficulty you're up against some real big boys here. You know, right. we buy your home, spend a hundred grand a month on marketing alone. Wow. Um, the property buying company, probably about 50, 60 as well. Th these guys are real big players in the market. So right. it, buying the deals is the hardest part in sure. this whole industry. Um, yes. So if you can get to, if you can, and even whether you guys are doing it yourself at the minute, obviously naturally you're doing sourcing acquisitions, I'm assuming for your own business. Yeah. If you can get a good enough deal, that's the start of it. It's, it's just finding the deal. Um, and it doesn't always have to come through online and all the rest of it. It can come through an agent. It can come through a relationship where you've bought things before and they know, you know, you're, you're obviously good for it. So that's the kind of start. And that's how to think about it is trying to focus on the deal rather than everything else, really. Yeah. 
No, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, and it's a lot of graft. And like you say, this is where your systems and processes really kicks in, right? You've systemized that sourcing mm. element of the business. So, yeah. Absolutely. Good that's on you. The, the, when you buy an auction one month and sell in the, the next month, um, surely you've not... Are, are you doing that where you've not actually completed on it before you sell it? Or are you completing um, it within two or three weeks just in time to be able to sell it again? We're generally completing on our stuff. So generally speaking, we are completing. However, uh, let me tell you about a property that we sold two months. Uh, yeah, just over two months ago, actually. So we bought a three-bed semi in Croydon. Um, I think we picked it up late 200, something around there. Needed a full works. We sold it in an auction. I think we got about 329, 329 and a half, basically, we got for it, 329,500. Um, it was a bit of a quieter auction again because the interest rates, I think, um, kind of coincided with that same week. A, um, a, a well-known trader bought that from us. So they complete, they exchanged with us at 329.5. Two weeks later, put it into another auction. I think it was a Savile <laughs> that they put it into. And they ended up getting 364. So they've lifted 34 grand, I think, off, off of us in two weeks. And they and they asked for, I think they asked for a key undertake initially. Now, I don't mind that because I don't mind if other people want to make money that means that I'm I'm going to get paid on the three, two, nine and a half. So everyone kind of wins really. Um, but other people might have said, no, you're not going to get a key undertaking. You can't do viewings, you can't do this, which would have scuppered his um, sale, which also would have probably scuppered your purchase as well or your sale. So yeah, there's a lot that, of this stuff that happens, but it's a very, no one really talks about it to be fair, because a lot of the mm. traders are kind of, you know, they're, they're not on social media. They're kind of in the they're background. They're too busy. Like too busy yeah, to be on social media. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some I know a trader that does honest, honest to God, fifty deals a month, and he's got three people in his team only, and I have no clue how he does that because we've got about twelve people total in our team, and you know, we sometimes at four four properties a month we we struggle. So, it some of these people I don't know how they're doing it, but you know, they are doing serious volume. They are doing serious volume. They're taking wow. the, the, the 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 volume is de-risking them to a certain extent. So because they're doing that many deals, they are, as long as it fits within their, probably their narrow bandwidth, it fits it, they'll take the risk. They'll probably get insurance and everything and then just literally moving it on. Yeah. Do you know what? You're the, probably one of the first people that I know that have understood that concept because I say to you, when you buy one property, it's so risky because if yeah. you're going to trade that property and you make a loss, that's one yeah. out of one, that's 100%. If you buy 10 and you make a loss on two, because you will make a loss on some of these, you're not going to make a profit yeah. on every single thing. Mm. You make a loss on two, that's only, you're making profit on 80%, it will blend in. It's economies um, of scale. It is absolutely numbers and economies of scale to reduce the risk. Same thing with investing, you know, yeah. if we just bought one deal and we can't get the valuation on the refinance, it's like, you're kind of scuppered on that. You get 10 and you're okay on the eight, you know, you're okay, you blend in the good with the with the bad, really. So that's just the way to look at it. You're absolutely right, uh, Matt. Yeah, but that's high yeah. volume, isn't it? Yeah. Still 50 a month. Yeah. That sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I think that that would be my worst nightmare doing that. that oh, yeah. I mean, can you, can you imagine the utilities on 50 a month? My oh, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if they are trading at that level, would they not be just doing them on lease options or something to that effect rather than completing and purchasing every single one? Uh, these, these guys are completing. These guys yeah. are completing, yeah. And I think um, it's a syndication of money. So there's a there's a large part of the North London Jewish community that kind of come together. They put their oh, money together, okay. and basically, so there's not a cost on that finance. So some I've seen some of these deals go through sometimes a couple of auctions and they've not sold, 
and they're still holding on to it about a year later. You know, these guys will really wait to to get even a, a, a grander a grander profit. It makes a massive you know difference for yeah. them really. So um, you know, whereas for us, we're obviously we're on bridging terms. We're we're having to think about you know, I'd rather get out of something even at a break even than kind of have to wait for that couple yeah. of grand worth of profit. Mm. Just move, you know, you got to move on basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So different people look at things in, in different ways. Well, yeah, everyone has their own objectives, right? What they want to get out of it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. No, it's very, very inspiring. I think a lot of people listening going, um, yeah, that seems like a a really good opportunity or really good option, but you've got to, it's not, it's not where you start. It's definitely not where you start. Absolutely. And, and um, it sounds like you're, you say you're working harder than ever. That's not why I got into property. So have you got a plan to remove yourself from the business? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we do have like everything at the minute runs quite well. So even when I go away, it still runs quite well. I enjoy being involved in certain aspects. So for me, I've not dealt with a refinance or utilities or anything like that for more than two, three years because we've got process in place. I've deliberately put myself in the business where I really want to be in it. And that's more on the sales. So deciding which auction house you're going to go with, how you're going to sell, what you're going to sell it for and on the purchase. That's kind of where my remit is. And at the minute, I don't got plans to to remove myself from it. But this is very much a game where you need to build up capital and you put in a lot of time and effort. Maybe as I get older, I need to start thinking about reducing the amount of hours that I'm doing. That's where I'm going to really start to build more on it. And that's what we're doing at the minute, building more on the investment business. So I'm going to more I'm going to rely more on the investment business once we've built up enough capital, if that makes sense, enough cash flow there. But Mm -hmm. this is really that middle ground to kind of get us to where we want to get to. Um, so probably for the next five or 10 years, I'll continue to do this. And then at that point, I think about how can I really start to reduce things down um, gradually? Hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the amount of paperwork. Yeah, there is a there is a lot. Of paper. We are con- we are paper, um, paperless as well, to be fair. So we try our best to not. Obviously, there's certain things that need wet ink. You just can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, but where possible, I try and avoid, um, you know, printing stuff off. Yeah, yeah so, so it, must, you- it must be a nightmare for land registry. Because they're so <laughs> they're so far behind already. By the time you've bought it, registered on it, and then you're selling it again. Like, <laughs> I didn't think well, of we, that. We we've had some transactions. By the time the actual person that is the end buyer goes to register it, there's four pending applications between <sighs> when the original person has sold it and he's basically registering it. Um, but the the reality is, it doesn't matter if there's. So if I've sold you something, Niall, this week, next week you've sold it to Joe, and Joe sold it to Matt. Um, it doesn't really matter whether there's two or three or four of them because they'll all get registered in a row anyway. Yeah. Um, but the reality is Joe, or let's say Matt is the one that ends up buying everything. He's going to need to go and expedite everything. So he's going to need to say, I've got a refinance application. Let me expedite stuff. And then they'll start to look mm-hmm. at everything because they can't register Matt's without registering Joe's, without registering Niall's, without registering mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really matter if there's two or three people in that kind of chain. It's more a case of the, the end buyer needs to expedite to get them to look at everything in one go. You must have your own solicitor now working in-house, part of your team. Um, no, we don't, but I've, I'm on really, really good terms with our, with our solicitor. So either comes to um, our office or my house once a week or I go to theirs. So we just sign, again, it's for efficiency. We just sign everything in one go um, because it is it is a lot of paperwork. I'm not going to lie. Um, oh. yeah. So, you know, you just have to do it one go. So I've had solicitors that are really, really good, but they're just too, you know, I've had solicitors, for example, down in Wales, down in London, they're just too far away. So I ended up getting a, 
I'd say a pretty old school solicitor. Um, so if you can imagine no computer, no laptop, no nothing. <laughs> How are you doing it all off, offline then? Oh, <laughs> Honestly, dictaphone. So he'll dictate everything. And then his secretary, he's got two, I think three secretaries actually. Secretaries will type everything up and send it over to me. Oh so my there is, God. There is a one to two day lag from when I send an email and when I get something back. But that's because he's basically on the dictaphone. Um, I think he's got, I think he's, he used to be a criminal solicitor back in the day for like 30 mm-hmm. years. Just very old school, but really, really good. And, you know, just very amenable to, to what we're doing. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. That's Amazing. the human side of property right there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that is the human side. <laughs> <laughs> the dictaphone. The dictaphone. What an absolute legend. I think that's I brilliant. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, uh, I think um, we've hopefully prepared you to come prepared with a question. Yeah. So yeah. now is the time. What what question have you got for us? Can this be for anyone, or is this for, is this a general question for everyone to answer? And how how however you want it to be. So it could be a specific one for each person, or just the same question to each each of us. Cool. So I guess for me, it was more a case of trying to understand if we took money out the equation. So money was not in the equation whatsoever what would you guys be doing whether that's property related or you've got another another hobby but what would you guys be doing right now if money was not an object whatsoever so you've got enough in the bank to not have to ever worry about making any money what would you guys be doing and why as well the why is important <laughs> we'll oh. go matt first because matt, matt, matt's, a... matt's ready duh um, he's never ready he's the worst at this <laughs> this, this, this is var- variation on a theme um we've had similar questions in the past mm. um it's asked slightly differently say so if money was no object and there was no need to make money yeah i don't know because it's life so so much revolves around business and profit mm. and and invest investing um and that enables to do other things what does that enable to do well I, I quite enjoy the business to be fair I quite enjoy getting into the into the heart of it and and solving problems um so I suppose one thing could be solving problems elsewhere in what way I'm not sure one thing the other thing I do is obviously the music so I'd I was gonna say work. I thought that'd be I'd the be first doing, thing you said yeah yeah do, doing more of that but I like variety. So there's absolutely no way I'd want to be doing just one musical project all the time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I like the idea of, of well, well, there's working on that, sol- solving that problem. But again, a lot of that comes down to money. Um, Is it maybe like something philanthropic, philanthropic that you can do in terms of like helping other people solve their problems or whether it's more sort of, you know, international problems or countries problems or whatever it is, but it's more, well, if you take it, if you if you take a money out of the equation, that solves quite a lot of the world's problems, anyways. No, no, only uh, your only your money <laughs> equation is solved in this, in this exact context, not everyone else's. Just to be clear. Um, okay. I, I I just I like working with other people, helping them. So that's why we have the extra platform. You know, working on other people's businesses, so helping them to. Um, create wealth so I'd still be doing that I'm still helping other people to to grow their businesses I quite like the idea of flitting between industries as well um, once I'm more established in this particular industry so um, that that does intrigue me uh, I'm started to doing that with working with a few tech companies as well 
and make sort of few few tech investments. So that that is interesting and finding more about the world of trading businesses um, and buying businesses, selling businesses. That that quite interests me. Making businesses more efficient, making them work better, making them more profitable, and selling more. And so, in a similar way as you're trading properties, going in and finding underperforming businesses and turning them around and flipping them. I do like the idea of selling stuff, and I've only just I suppose coming back to money again, but um, only recently got into the mindset of selling because we were always, Nile and I, we, we worked together. We're always, we're buying, holding, buying, holding, buying, holding. It's been the mindset that, that we've always had. And we sold our first thing last year. And I think that has opened our eyes a little bit to possibility of doing that and just being less all about accumulation and holding it all and just let, and more about letting it flow, letting it flow through you. And then you just fill up fill your reservoir as you go. So, yeah, helping others to do the same, to, to um, grow their businesses, solve their problems and do more music and um, work on that. So I can find people to help us to grow our following as a as a band, really, um, globally to get some more to better gigs. Mm more prestigious gigs more well-paid gigs it's not about the money though but it is for the rest of the band mm. <laughs> they, need play. They, they need playing so yeah I, I know it's a bit of a wishy-washy answer walk, walking around the houses but uh yeah hope, hopefully that's gonna be a bit of an insight yeah and joe how about you uh, there's a couple of things i think on the professional side a bit like matt i wouldn't stop doing what i'm doing um but i guess the motivation uh would shift a little bit so I do a lot of professional speaking and I think I would like to just have I'd like to just tour the world talking about my topic which is sexual energy to people with like just complete and utter liberation you know just to to go and do some much bigger scale gigs um to really hit my target audiences where money isn't just this thing that you're constantly negotiating and, you know, getting contracts over the line for, uh, I would just be like, yeah, I'll come talk. Yeah, I'm there. You know, let's get on a plane, fly business class, head over and just talk about my topic for the love of it alone, you know, which is there and is a massive driver. Uh, but money is obviously a huge part of that as well, you know, getting the right price. So that's the professional element. I think on the personal side, I think I would treat, the people that I love most in my life to the things that they really, really want. I've talked about this on the podcast before. So, you know, doing trips of a lifetime for my parents, um, you know, they're, my dad's 80 this year, my mum's 76. And there's certain places in the world that I know they've always wanted to see that they've really struggled, you know, to, to, to go and see because they have major caring commitments with a, a disabled brother so I would love my brother to go into some high-end care facility where I know he'll be taken care of for the rest of his life and free them up and to just go and do some amazing things in their retirement, you know, to make the most of their twilight years. Um, that's a big one for me. Um, and treat my partner and, yeah, all those kinds of things. I think that's Don't forget of, about us. <coughs> Sorry. I would buy Niall the biggest shoe wardrobe in the world <laughs> that would be my first port of call um yeah I would dedicate an entire shoe store to you babe um Done. yeah 
that would that would happen. I'd buy Matt all the Lego in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think nice. it's That's the personal answer. stuff. It's the personal stuff, isn't it? You know, not trying to change the world, just sort of focus on your own microeconomy and the people that matter. Cause that's yeah. kind of, that's your, that's your world. That's the stuff that matters. So I think, yeah. 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 I forgot to mention the the Lego and the family actually. Yeah. <laughs> In which order? <laughs> they got music, Lego, family. <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all in my top three, so they they're the interchange depending on what time of day it is. <laughs> depending on how much sleep you've had the night before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Cute. How about yourself, Niall? Uh, I would be doing a lot more traveling for a start. Uh, traveling and freedom is a big thing for me personally. Mm. Um, so I would be doing a lot more of that. Uh, I think, although I do want to be retired within the next few years, so I can, you know less pressure mm. um I, I i don't have kids so i'm not uh creating a legacy to leave to my own children but one thing that is very close to me and we have actually talked about this in the past but investing in hmo seems to have taken over um was like setting up like a it's kind of like a halfway house type thing um for young lgbt plus uh people um, who maybe struggle coming out, um, get kicked out of home when they're when they do come out, um, or don't have any safe space to go to. Um, so creating an environment um, in different locations throughout the country, so that there are these safe houses, if you like, where they can go and get counselling, um, get help with careers, get help with whatever it is they need help with, getting accommodation of their own, um, that type of thing, and just having that support network um for for that community is is something that's high on my list of things that i want to set up and uh have in place cool yeah wouldn't the world be a better place without money hey but there we go we live in a capitalist society so we 100 percent, yeah but one thing i was going to say as well and th those are all really interesting different answers is um it's probably you know i i last i'd say five six years probably pre-2021 I just had head down you know five years whatever just really really working but now I think like what you guys have just said trying to find a balance in terms of if money wasn't an object what would I want to do and it's not yeah. about buying materialistic things and all the rest of it it's more a case of what do you need to you know like you said can you get your you know, parents on a business class flight to wherever they really wanted to go and they can't maybe get there for whatever reason so yeah, it's really good to kind of maybe think about these things and maybe start to put little parts in your life as you go along mm. rather than waiting for this massive thing to happen in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because um, I think we're all quite um, of the same mindset, obviously, but there's always a goal. There's always something else to achieve and another target to hit yeah. that we're never actually happy or content with when we get to that point because then you just keep, keep, keep kicking the can further down the road. Yeah. There's always something else. Mm. Yeah, you have to remember you, you only live once. You know, YOLO is something mm -hmm. which uh, my my wife um goes on about. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that's very important to take the opportunities as they arise. And it, yeah, the opportunities get bigger and bigger, the things you can do get better and better. Um, uh, the money you have gets more and more as you're more and more successful. So um, but put it in place now. So one thing we did was to make sure that we have like holidays booked and throughout the year. And maybe that it's, you know, a few trips to some to Legoland. 
and Legoland, yeah, Thought Park, you know, like camping or whatever. Yeah, you, you just but you book them in, and as yeah. you get more and more successful, you just then go a little bit further afield. They become a little bit more adventurous, but you're still booking them in, so you can go really low budget as long as you're still booking them in. You get mm. the habit of taking that time out and taking uh, taking those holidays, um, and that's the thing is I think it's about forming the lifestyle habits, like kind of like work life balance habits, which I know. Um, I've struggled with um, in, in the past and something which has only really uh, opened, well, having as my second child has opened my eyes a bit more to to, to that, um, a lot more actually. So it's been, it's been good. Can I also point something out? No. You talk about, I'm doing it anyway. Um, <laughs> the, the, you talk about sort of first steps. I think one of the first steps is that Niall and Safe go into joint venture partnership because Niall said he wants to create some safe spaces. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that with works. Some, with some cash, some safe spaces with some cash. With some cash. <laughs> I was like, this is going to work. Some safe spaces. Like, yes. So, so make make that happen as a first step it's good there we go some <laughs> some, some safe Nile houses yes <laughs> safe scott spaces yes oh that's brilliant that's great I love it. <laughs> hey, we're uh coming towards the end of our time together so we're going to finish up we'll wrap up with a game of episode roulette so for those listeners out there who are not entirely sure what this is all about uh we're going to scroll through our previous episodes all 180 odd of them and uh, this is 190, isn't it? I think it might be 190. We're edging towards episode Ooh. 200. We're gonna have a big party, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a week today, isn't it, guys? 16th, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that? That was episode 199, actually. <laughs> 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 oh, that was it's, it's some podcast I think my wife's been listening to. Um, some weird thing, anyway. Uh, so where are we? I am going to scroll through previous episodes of Property Jam, and um, when Sa- when Safe says stop, then um, we're going to ask his opinion on that particular episode topic. So I am scrolling. Um, so say stop whenever you're ready. Stop. Stop. Okay, we could kind of touch on this, um, but this is the episode property projects. What's your favourite bit? Property projects. What's your favourite bit? Um, the buying. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> The kind of initial side of things, like you know, really? when you when you when you buy it and you kind of just want to just rip everything out and get stuck in, that's probably my favourite part of any kind of project. The middle is very boring. The end drags on forever. <laughs> the finishes. So the the beginning is probably buying and beginning is probably my favourite part. You're a starter, not a finisher. Yes. This is why I quite like your your strategy because you get the fun bit of buying and then you get you miss out the middle bit by not by not doing the works most of the time and then you get rid of it as soon as fucking you, you can <laughs> as soon as possible yeah uh, by sticking it in auction so you don't have to so it doesn't drag on so you still get that fun bit of getting a deal getting excited doing the numbers go oh, that's really cool um, and now let's just let's just sell it straight away it's almost yeah. you get your, your hit and then you get you get another hit you're like your property addict i am a property addict and um also and I think it does, it, it's born out of impatience as well. I'm very, very impatient. Like when we're doing a project, I'm constantly at, you know, the CAS, our project manager, when's it going to finish? He said, uh, we, have a, we have a schedule works. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But can we do it quick? And he's like, no, no, you can't write, you know, the, the plaster needs to dry. You can't let it dry. You know, it's going to crack if it dries too quickly. It's fine, I'll go with the hairdryer. Exactly. So, you know, it's one of these things. I'm just so impatient. And that's why 
when we talked about the property trade of the year, I was not prepared to do a project for three or four years, no matter what the profit was going to be. It yeah. Just for me. So that's yeah. why I'm a trader. Suits you. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's so ingrained in me to be an investor. I really love the idea of being a trader. Yeah. <laughs> but I, just, but I, I feel like I, yeah, we, we get a really good deal. We're like, no, no, we're going to keep this one. And the next one comes up, oh, no, we're going to keep this one. <laughs> no, 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 we're the keep thing this is, one. It's, it's based on your philosophy, your principle. I know, you know, someone that's bought, got a really, really big balance sheet, 30, 40 million pounds balance sheet in the UK. And she understands trading. She knows trading. She knows what, how to do it and what to do. And she gets some great deals. She would never trade a single deal. She keeps everything because that she's just an accumulator. Her whole profile is based on accumulation. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the money for her. It's about, I just want to buy and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. That's just what she wants. So um, basically, no, um, Matt, Safe is calling you a hoarder. That's what he's calling hoarder. you. You're a hoarder. You're a house hoarder. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do one one final uh, episode roulette. So I am scrolling again. Safe over to you. Stop. Ooh, here we go. Episode 22. FOMO. Oh. Do you suffer wow. from FOMO? Do you know what? Um, especially social media, it, it creates that FOMO. Like when you see someone's gone to a property event or any kind of event, really, and you're like, you know, you see everyone's there and you, you kind of like, well, you know, I wish I would have gone or all of the rest of it. And and you do have FOMO in all honesty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a that's the reality. There is FOMO, whatever happens, whether someone goes on holiday, like, you know, I'm so stressed out. I wish I can go on holiday right now. Um, but then at the same time, that's that's the kind of danger of social media is it kind of put, it, the perception is so much better than the reality of what it is. And sometimes you might speak to the people a week later and they're like, it wasn't that good of an event. It was OK. And you'd be like, oh, God, thank thank God. Because the photos look so good. I know, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they do the whole thinny thing or whatever on the camera or whatever. Yeah, so I do think FOMO is a, a thing, but I also think it's about how you perceive it. And you start to think probably not as good as it the perception of, of you know what, what it looks like basically but it's a thing you know yeah. we all have it naturally 100 percent. yeah yeah we see it a lot and social media's got a lot to answer for with that in fact there was something on instagram the other day uh it might have been this morning actually i saw uh spot the dave and uh, louise reynolds and a few other people within property sisters at some event that i didn't even know was happening and i'm like well where was my invite? Like, why Why am I not there? Because it was basically them all just dancing around. Elizabeth Warperton was there. Like, these are my friends. Why Why wasn't I there? And I was thinking, well, yeah, but did you really want to be? No, nah, not really. But still, where was my invite? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I had, a, um, I had a social media detox about two weeks ago. I got back onto socials. I had it for about six weeks. And it was the best thing. That, it was the best thing ever, honestly. Yeah. Total detox on social media. And then went back on. I'm like, it's the same old crap. Sometimes oh. some people, some people just do the same old crap. And I get the whole consistency, but it's also a case of there's a reality versus what's been uh, perceived. So I do have a love hate relationship with social media. I really do. I tell you yeah. what, if you want to fall out of love with social media, go to Dubai. I've just got back two days ago, and I sat on a beach with one of my best mates, and we just watched people trying to convince the world that they were having the best time ever on a beach and not actually enjoying themselves the whole thing was being insta ready I mean I've never seen anything like it in my life and it made me question everything that I was publishing on my own social media I'm like what's the point like you know just just enjoy it just be on the beach just relax don't worry you should have have started a party (laughs) 
Like, um, here's the ball. Put your phones in the ball. Oh, God. Yeah. Honestly, every time you looked across, there be, there was someone on a sun lounger kind of going. You know, yeah, like, totally <laughs> safe. Just say, great. Put, put your phone in this basket. Yes. And then here's a cocktail. Exactly. Exchange your phone for a cocktail and you get your phone back at the end exactly. of the week. Oh, just um, relax, people. Enjoy the experience. Be present. Stop looking at it through a screen. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Or you pull your phone's in a bat and your basket, then you start drawing them out one by one. And oh. that's a different kind of party. Honestly, the addiction was real. You saw it. Yeah. But I think yeah. there was a lot of that going on as well. But um, yeah, right. so quite an interesting experience. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think we've, yeah, we have definitely come to the end of our time uh, with you safe. I think we could keep this conversation going for for hours as a pick pick apart you was what you could do, which is, is I find fascinating. So thank you very much for being with us. And uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way of getting in touch with? Talking so. about social media, <laughs> probably social. So um, I'm really active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So just my name, Safe, so S-A-I-F and then Dursey, D-E-R-Z-I. Um, so Safe Dursey on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I'll also drop them as well for you guys as well, Matt, so you can probably drop them in the show, uh, show uh, notes as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, Sounds thanks good. again. Uh, it'll be a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. Thanks for having me on. jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you on, on the next, next episode, episode.